الحمد لله الحمد لله وكفى والصلاة والسلام على عباده الذين اصطفى أما بعد فقد قال الله تبارك وتعالى في الكلام المجيد والفرقان الحميد أعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم وإذ قال نقمان لابنه وهو يعظه يا بني لا تشرك بالله إن الشرك نظلم عظيم فقال النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم كلكم راع وكلكم مسؤول عن رعيته أو كما قال النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم Most respected mothers and sisters It is the grace of Allah Tabaraka wa Ta'ala It is His fazal, His karam That Allah Tabaraka wa Ta'ala has once again Given us this tawfiq of witnessing this Mubarak month of Ramadan This is something which we can never Sufficiently Thank Allah Tabaraka wa Ta'ala for Like any other ni'mat for that matter This ni'mat in itself is such That we can never be grateful enough for this opportunity but this is only if we truly realize what this is all about the example that we can use to, ex- to understand this is that one is a child and somebody gives the child an ice cream the child is very happy very grateful a few years old the child is he knows the, what the ice cream is all about and he is extremely delighted with that little ice cream that he has been given and then give the child a very valuable pearl or a diamond something which is far in value far more in value than that little ice cream it will buy ice cream factories of let alone one ice cream but that happiness that the child feels on that diamond or that pearl is very much less compared to that happiness that child felt on getting that ice cream the whole difference is that the child doesn't know the value of that diamond or that pearl, but the child knows the value of that ice cream. Whereas that pearl or that diamond will buy off maybe the ice creams of the world. So this is the same thing here, that if somebody had to give us something of the worldly benefits, some worldly material objects, then we would find a certain kind of happiness coming in our hearts. Yet this is something which is far in excess. It is something which brings the barakat of this world and the hereafter. But we are like those little children who are more delighted with the ice cream than with that pearl or diamond. May Allah Ta'ala give us the reality of this Mubarak month. Give us the true qadr and appreciation of this month and enable us to use our time to the maximum in earning the barakat and the rahmat of this month by engaging ourselves in the way that Allah wa ta'ala is pleased with. The topic that I have been given is the aspect of tarbiyat and ta'aleem with regards to our children. But before discussing that, to discuss one hadith regarding the month of Ramadan. This is a very famous and well-known hadith of Rasulullah It's a very lengthy hadith. And from that hadith, one aspect which I wish to discuss very briefly before commencing with our topic on hand. Rasulullah on the night before Ramadan, the day before Ramadan came, he addressed the Sahaba and said to them, قَدْ أَغَلَّكُمْ شَهْرٌ عَظِيمٌ 
a very great month has come upon you. And thereafter, after having discussed various things, Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam said to the Sahaba, that there are four things that you must do excessively in this month. This is briefly what we wish to discuss before commencing with our topic. Two of the things Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam mentions is, one is excessively reciting La ilaha illallah. La ilaha illallah, excessively reciting this kalima, what is required here? One is that a person just recites the kalima excessively, recites tasbihs upon tasbihs of it. Inshallah, this too is full of barakat and blessings. The name of Allah Ta'ala is so mubarak and so great that no matter how inattentively a person takes the name of Allah Ta'ala, this is not without any reward and without any benefit. But to the greater extent that a person will take the name of Allah Ta'ala with azmat, with respect, with honor, with concentration, with his heart and mind in it, then that benefit that will come therefrom cannot be imagined. Here also in this Mubarak month, Rasulullah Wasallam is exhorting us, is very, uh, in a very emphasized manner, stressing upon us to excessively recite the kalima. So even if we recite it without any attention, without any concentration, the benefit will be there, the thawab we will get. But this is not what is required. This is not the purpose and the object. What is meant and what is expected from us by excessively reciting the kalima, this is the Mubarak month of Ramadan. And in this Mubarak month, we are meant to acquire the wealth of taqwa. This is the entire purpose of this month. لَعَلَّكُمْ تَتَّقُونَ This fasting has been prescribed upon us so that we may acquire taqwa. And by reciting the kalima, what is the kalima? La ilaha illallah. The first thing that we do in the kalima is deny everything and everybody besides Allah tabaraka wa ta'ala. La ilaha. There is no deity. No deity, generally our minds only go that we don't worship any idol, that we don't worship any tree, we don't bow down to the cow, we don't worship the stars. Alhamdulillah, this is a ni'mat of Allah ta'ala. Alhamdulillah ala ni'mat al-iman. This is something we should be forever grateful to Allah Ta'ala for this greatest ni'mat. But this is not restricted to this. There are more deities sometimes in our lives. Sometimes, Alhamdulillah, while we are safe from all these things, which we should be making shukr for, but let us look deep down in our hearts, that sometimes is our life dictated by things other than the command of Allah Ta'ala. Perhaps it might be our job, perhaps it might be somebody's occupation, his business, or whatever the case is. And sometimes it is certain desires within us. Therefore Allah Ta'ala mentions this in the Quran Kareem as well. أَفَرَأَيْتَ مَنِ اتَّخَذَ إِلَاهَهُ Have you seen that person who has made his desires his deity? The desire is to do a certain thing. Then the person doesn't consider is this permissible or not permissible. The person does it because the desire is strongly there to do that action. The desire is to do something which, for example, there is a function in the home, whatever the function may be. So to conduct the function in a certain way, because everybody else does it in that way, whether that then conforms to the commands of Allah and His Rasul or not, that is furthest from a person's mind. But everybody must say that this was really done in style. That is the criteria after that. Now, here the person has made the desire, the deity. Because 
We should be only following the deity who is Allah Taala. Now the person is giving into the dictates of that desire, that desire has become the deity. Therefore Allah Ta'ala says, Have you seen that person who has made his desires his deity? The society sometimes demands that I must dress in a certain manner. Because everybody is dressing in this way, everybody has adopted the certain style, everybody is now in fashion, everybody has now become uh, adopted that kind of dress which is, which is shorter and tighter and more revealing. So maybe it will just be at home, maybe it will just be within the family, but everybody is doing it so I must do it also. So society has started dictating it. Whereas the dictating should have been done by the Quran and the Sunnah, the dictates of walibasu taqwa zalika khair, adopt the clothing of piety, the clothing that conforms to the dictates of taqwa. Allah Ta'ala says that is better for you. Here the person has given in to the dictates of society, society has become a deity. Like this all these are just examples, just to understand that sometimes we have other deities in our lives. Here in this Mubarak month, Nabi Wasallam is saying to us, recite the kalima excessively and recite it with this concentration. La ilaha, I have negated everything and anything. The society, my desires, the dictates of people, anything that goes against the commands of Allah and His Rasul Wasallam, I have negated. Illallah, the only thing that I am embedding in my heart is the consciousness of Allah wa Ta'ala, the obedience of Allah wa Ta'ala and Allah Ta'ala is my only deity Therefore, everything else I will not follow. I will only follow Allah Ta'ala's commands and the commands of His beloved Rasul So with this concentration in mind, excessively reciting the kalima, this is something Nabi Islam is giving us, on, and He is uh, encouraging us, emphasizing upon us, excessively recite the kalima. So this is the one thing that we have to do excessively, but with this concentration. And after every few recitations, recite the entire kalima, Muhammadur Rasulullah, so this is one thing to do excessively that recite the kalima but with this concentration that we're negating everything we're negating the dictates of society the dictates of people around us the dictates of the styles and fashions of the time the dictates of the west the dictates of anybody and everybody that goes against the commands of Allah Ta'ala the only thing that will guide our life that will dictate how we live our life is the Quran and the Sunnah then the second thing that we have been told to do excessively is excessively to make istighfar to seek the forgiveness of Allah wa ta'ala. Here again, we are human beings, we are weak. Khuliqal insanu da'ifa. This human being has been created weak. From time to time he will err, he will make mistakes. But Allah Ta'ala's rahmat and Allah Ta'ala's mercy is so great upon us that Allah Ta'ala has kept the doors of his forgiveness forever open. And Allah wa ta'ala is ready to forgive provided we are ready to seek forgiveness. Therefore we have to excessively ask Allah Ta'ala's forgiveness and this is something that we have to be very conscious about because this is a very serious issue. Serious especially, especially in the month of Ramadan that we gain the forgiveness of Allah Ta'ala. In the hadith Nabi Wasallam, it is mentioned he came into the masjid and climbed on each of the steps of the mimbar and said Ameen. Thereafter he explained that on each of the steps that he climbed Jibreel Salatu Wasallam came and made a dua, rather a bad dua, a curse. And Nabi Islam said Ameen to it. And one of those du'as that Jibreel made was, May that person be destroyed, may he be cursed. Who the month of Ramadan came to him, he had this opportunity, he passed this entire Mubarak month, but failed to gain his forgiveness. May such a person be destroyed. Allah's Nabi Islam said Ameen to this. What a severe thing this is. Therefore we have to be excessively engaged in istighfar and gain our forgiveness 
So that by the time this Mubarak month leaves, we have become co- completely cleansed and completely free from all sin. And we have made sincere tawbah and resolved to give up all these evils for the future as well. So these are two things that we have to do excessively and such a simple thing, such easy things. We find that there is great barakat and reward for every ibadat. But everything is not possible to do all the time for everybody. Person can perform salah for a certain amount of time. Person can make tilawat for a certain amount of time. If the person is not a hafiz or a hafiza, they cannot be sitting with the Quran Sharif all the time because they have other engagements to fulfill as well. But this is such a simple thing that a person is engaged in their day-to-day work while they are cooking, while they are doing their household chores. This is something which the tongue can be easily engaged in. Excessive recitation of the kalima, excessive istighfar. It takes no effort, it takes no difficulty, and without any difficulty we can be gaining so much from this Mubarak month, especially this is something which Nabi Salaam himself has stressed upon us. And the other two things we have to do excessively, ask Allah wa ta'ala for Jannat and seek refuge from Jahannam. فمن, uh, um, uh, in the Quran Allah wa ta'ala says, that the one who has been entered into Jannah, the one who has been saved from the fire of Jahannam and has been entered into Jannah, this person is indeed successful. The rest of this world, the successes of this world are all subjective. The true uh, success is the success of the hereafter and that is to gain Jannah. So this too we have to excessively ask Allah tabarak wa ta'ala. So these are four things that we have to do excessively. Recite the kalima excessively, but keeping in mind that we have to do it with that concentration, that we are denying all the deities besides Allah tabarak wa ta'ala our desires, the society, the West, whatever it is. And affirming the one only deity that we follow and we obey and we worship, Allah wa ta'ala, bringing His consciousness in our heart, bringing His honor in our hearts, His greatness into our hearts, and also excessive recitation of istighfar, keeping in mind that istighfar as well, that I am, each time I make istighfar, I am saying, astaghfirullah, wa rabbi khfir, wa rham, wa anta khayrul rahimin. My sins are being washed away, and I am gaining the nur and the uh, spiritual life from Allah Taala. In that way, we will find we will gain great benefit from this, and also excessively asking for jannat and seeking refuge from jahannam. To continue with the topic that we have on hand, the aspect of tarbiyat and nurturing and upbringing with regards to our children. This is a very great responsibility. This is a very great duty and task that Allah Taala has placed upon us as parents that we have to provide the correct upbringing, the correct nurturing to our children. Generally, our responsibility we regard as, and everybody regards this as their responsibility, that we have to feed our children, we have to clothe them, we have to provide them with the necessities of life, and this too is a duty upon us. This too is a responsibility upon parents, that they have to provide these necessities to their children to the best of their ability. Then after necessity, when there is affluence, then we feel that it is also a duty upon us that we have to provide luxuries to our children. Allah Ta'ala hasn't forbidden this also. If a person can afford it with halal wealth, without getting into any haram activity, without getting into incest, etc. In a halal manner, he is providing some luxuries for his children also. There is no harm in this. In fact, if a person can afford it, then to some extent he should spend on his family. But these are all things which are of a very material nature, providing them the luxuries of life, while it is permissible. What 
is of greatest importance is that we provide them with that kind of training in this life that they gain the luxuries of the hereafter. This is the true uh, love and the true affection that we can give to our children. If a person has provided all the luxuries of this world, but we haven't given our children that nurturing, that upbringing, that tarbiyat, that they bring deen as the foremost thing in their lives, they have deen as the most important thing in their lives, then all these luxuries and all the comforts of this world will be forgotten in a minute, in a moment in the hereafter. In the hadith, Rasulullah mentions that on the day of Qiyamah, the person who had the greatest amount of comfort, of luxuries in this world, but is destined for the fire of Jahannam, such a person will be brought. He had no pain, no difficulty, no suffering whatsoever in this world. And he will be brought on the day of Qiyamah, but he had no deen in his life. He left this world without Iman. Such a person will be taken and he will be merely dipped into Jahannam for one brief moment and removed. For just a brief moment he will be dipped into Jahannam and removed and thereafter he will be asked that did you ever experience any comfort in your life, any luxury in your life? He will take an oath and he will swear by Allah Taala that I take a qasam, I never ever experienced any comfort in my entire life. What this is meant to say is that that one moment in that fire of Jahannam, for that very brief second, millisecond, it will be such that his entire life of comfort and luxury he would have forgotten completely. That he will even take a qasam that I never experienced any comfort. On the other hand, there will be that person who will be brought on the day of judgment, who had no comfort, no peace whatsoever in this world. He only had pain, he only had suffering, he only had hardship, he only had difficulty. But he is a person destined to be in Jannat because he had deen, he had iman, he had the obedience of Allah Ta'ala despite his condition. Such a person will be brought and he will be dipped into Jannat for one brief moment and brought out immediately. After that one brief moment, one millisecond in Jannat, he will be asked that did you ever experience any pain, any taklif, any difficulty in the world? He will say by Allah I never experienced any difficulty. I only had peace and comfort. In that one brief moment in Jannat, in that millisecond, he forgot all his pain of the world. He forgot all his sicknesses. He forgot all the hardship. He forgot all the difficulty. Because of that one brief moment of Jannat. Now how long will we live in this world? And how long will our children live in this world? Sometimes we are gone in the next moment. And sometimes our children are gone in front of our eyes. There is no guarantee of life. While it is permissible to spend on them rather sometimes an act of virtue, that if a person has halal wealth, then he can spend on his family, give them some comforts that can be afforded easily. The true comfort that we can give them is the comfort of the hereafter. That is in the hands of Allah Ta'ala, but the effort is in our hands. And to give them that kind of maturing, that kind of tarbiyat, that kind of talim, that they desire deen more than dunya. They desire the comforts of the hereafter more than the comforts of this world. They have the priority of the hereafter more than the things of this world in their lives. Then we have truly given them deen. Then we have truly given them love, given them affection. Then we have been truly affectionate. If we have given them the things of this world but not given them deen, we have not made the akhirat the priority in their lives, then we have actually done them a disservice. We could be actually taken to task by them on the day of Qiyamah. So therefore, this is the thing, the vital thing that we have to now become very conscious about, 
that what kind of upbringing, what kind of maturing, what kind of tarbiyat we give to our children. This is something that commences right from childhood. It is not something that starts when the child has now become of age, the child has now grown up. It's something that starts off from the very uh, formative years of the child when the child hasn't even learned how to say a word. Forget when the child hasn't learned how to say a word, the tarbiyat commences from the time the child comes into this world, in fact before that also. Today modern science tells us that that child who is still in the womb is receptive to what is going on around, now we take cognizance of it. Whereas we find that this is something that has been taught to us years ago, centuries ago. That even before the child has come into this world, the parents have to be concerned that what the mother eats must be totally halal, totally pure, halal and tayyib. And what she hears, what she speaks, everything all this affects the child. This is something that has been given to us by deen. And when the child is born, the child is barely a few moments in this world. The child hasn't been taught anything, but the command is to give the, the azan in one ear, the takbir in the other ear. What can the child understand according to us? But this command has been given. No command of deen is futile. The fact that this command has been given, it means that there is a great effect that the child is taking from this. That azan that is called out, how many times in that azan, Allahu Akbar, Allahu Akbar, six times in that azan, six times in that takbir, Allahu Akbar, Allahu Akbar. The greatness of Allah Ta'ala is meant to be embedded in the heart of the child from that first moment. So that the child grows up with the greatness of Allah Ta'ala in his heart. And when the greatness of Allah Ta'ala will be in the heart of the child, then the child will be able to distinguish between right and wrong, and choose the right and forsake the wrong. Otherwise, if the greatness of Allah Ta'ala has been eroded from the heart of the child, then the greatness of things will be in the heart of the child. Then against the command of Allah Ta'ala, the child will choose things. And against the command of Allah Ta'ala, the child will aspire to gain the things of this world. So therefore, from that first moment, the tarbiyat of the child is necessary. We find that in the Quran, Allah Ta'ala speaks of the incident of Hazrat Luqman, we find that tarbiyat is an ongoing thing. It is not something that happens in one moment, something happens in one day, happens in one month. It is an ongoing process. And a child will have to be taught something maybe 50 times, 100 times, 200 times. It doesn't end until it comes into the life of the child. Adults sometimes are told something 50 times, it still doesn't register. How can we expect the child to register in a few times? But it will have to be done with shafqat, with affection, with love. And inshallah this will have its effect over time. Hazrat Luqman, before that, to understand that even little children, tarbiyat commences from the time that the child is still in the formative years. Hazrat Abdullah ibn Abbas, who is a little child, Rasulullah is riding with him, has placed him on the same conveyance. Nabi is riding, and Ibn Abbas has a little child is with him. Nabi is addressing this young boy, who is not even of age yet. Nabi is addressing him, and saying to him, Ya Ghulam, Ihfazillah hayahfazka. Oh little child, keep Allah with you all the time, in front of you all the time, meaning keep the commands of Allah in front of you all the time, Allah will protect you. Protect the commands of Allah Ta'ala, Allah Ta'ala will protect you. Protect the commands of Allah Ta'ala, you'll find Allah Ta'ala with you. Now we always 
will be talking to our children from time to time. Sometimes we'll be speaking about the insecurities that we find surrounding us. And we tell the child that keep in mind that these phone numbers are here, the police number is here, and various things. There's no harm in this also. But how often have we told our children that keep in mind the commands of Allah Ta'ala, Allah Ta'ala will be with you. This is the first thing to teach our children. Yes, there's no harm in teaching them these things also. This is also something that we can tell them by all means. But it starts off by first embedding the commands of Allah Ta'ala in their lives. This is means. Otherwise, sometimes these very means can work against us. So these means is not where to put our reliance on and the reliance of our children on. The reliance of our own reliance and the reliance of our children has to be brought onto Allah wa Ta'ala. So Rasulullah Sallallahu is teaching this young child, Ihfazillah Oh young boy, when you ask, ask from Allah Ta'ala alone. Mothers in the previous times, and even in this time, to the grace of Allah, with the grace of Allah Ta'ala, there are such mothers that are existing even in this time, that the greatest priority in their lives is to embed the correct qualities in the life of the child. More than anything else that they wish to give the child, more than the luxuries of life, more than the things of this world, the greatest priority in their lives is how can I embed the qualities of iman, of yaqeen, of akhlaq in my child. Hazrat Nizamuddin Awliya Rahmatullah he is a young child, his father has passed away, his mother is bringing him up, and his mother's greatest concern is that my child's tawakkul and trust must be on Allah Ta'ala alone. Allah Ta'ala is the provider, Allah Ta'ala is a nourisher, Allah Ta'ala is a sustainer, Allah Ta'ala is a doer. So she brings her child up in this manner, and how she brings him up, that before giving the child food, she says to him that look, Allah Ta'ala is the provider. Now, that is the reality, but the child is too young to understand that. The child thinks my father is bringing the things in the house, but where is the father getting it from? Oh, my father worked, so he got money. Where did that money come from? Well, his boss gave it to him. Where did the boss get the money from? Well, he had a business that came from him. And where did that business come from? Now, the child is too young to understand where it finishes off. Allah Ta'ala is the one who gave that intellect. Allah Ta'ala is the one who gave that understanding. Allah Ta'ala is the one who created those means. If Allah Ta'ala snatches the intellect of that boss, where does that everything go to? Allah Ta'ala makes that person paralyzed in one moment, what happens then to his skill? Allah Ta'ala makes the person insane what, insane, what happened to his profession? So, this, the child is too young to understand where it all starts off from. The child only sees the means. But this mother was concerned that the child must understand it is beyond the means. So she taught the child that every day before you eat, before you get your food, you'll have to ask Allah Ta'ala, Allah Ta'ala provides. So first make two rakat salah, and then make dua, Allah Ta'ala will give you food. So this child dutifully used to make the two rakat salah, and ask Allah Ta'ala for food, and then his mother in the meantime would keep that food in a certain place, and then she would say to him, after you have made the dua, you go and see in a certain place, Allah Ta'ala would provide the food for you. And in this way, every day, this continued, the child would make the two rakat salah, ask Allah Tabaraka wa Ta'ala, and go and open that cupboard, and find the food available there. And over time it carried on. One day she happened to go on some errand, and she didn't manage to come in time, and the child returned from his classes from his madrasa and he came into the house, it was time for his meal, so he went, performed his surakat salah, made dua now in the meantime the mother is very concerned that my child is going to come home and her concern is that my child will come home and he will make the salah his yaqeen must not be spoiled today that he feels that I made salah, I made dua nothing came, I didn't manage to keep the food in his place, what is going to happen to my child's iman today 
In the meantime, this child comes home and he makes dua and he goes, he opens a cupboard and he finds food there, he eats the food. After some time, the mother comes very concerned, very worried and she's concerned now what has happened. So she sees the child very content. But she asked him that, did you come home and eat? He says, yes, I ate. He says, today the food was extremely delicious. After all, when the child made that dua with that same yaqeen, why wouldn't Allah Ta'ala provide for the child? Directly from the unseen sources. So those were the mothers that had this concern that that correct tarbiyat must be made, that iman and yaqeen must be placed in the child. So though they didn't have the things of this world, it was this Hazrat Nizamuddin awliya rahmatullahi when he is now instilled in that very young age, he is still an orphan and his mother is now very sick. His mother is very sick and now she is on her last moments. So he asks her that after you my father is gone, after you who is going to care for me? A child is a child after all, a child is going to ask these kind of questions. Who is going to care for me? So she says to him that you come at the last part of the night, I'll tell you who's going to care for you. Can we imagine this is a mother, the father has left the child, the father is already gone in the rahmat of Allah wa ta'ala, this is a lone mother, she is bringing up a child, put ourselves in that situation, how many things we will want to say to the child, your uncle is around, or this person will be caring for you, or whatever and anything else. Here there is poverty in that house, there is poverty carrying on in that house, sometimes there is starvation, and the child as a child is asking that who is going to care for me after you are gone? The mother says, come to me in the last part of the night. At the time of tahajjud. And when this child comes at that time, she goes onto the roof of the house. And she looks towards the sky. And she says, Ya Allah, this child's father you have taken away. My time has also come. I am entrusting this child unto you. And she says to the child, that you must ask from Allah Ta'ala. Can we imagine, this was the concern and the tarbiyat of the mothers of those days. This was the house where there was poverty and starvation. But the world thereafter saw that this child who was left as an orphan in a house where there was starvation and poverty, hundreds of people would eat at his, at his dastar khan daily three meals a day. Allah wa ta'ala provided from his sources. So, we find that this was the tarbiyat and the greatness of Allah ta'ala that meant to be that we, discussed, we were discussing that from the time the child is born, the azan and the takbir is given in the ears of the child to embed the greatness of Allah Ta'ala so that that tarbiyat is being made from that first moment. Unfortunately today we find our children are so enchanted with a little cell phone, with some fancy car, with some fancy building. These things are there, these are things of the world. It is meant to be used, but it is not something to be brought into the house, into the heart. That a person becomes thrilled with these things. If somebody else has a better cell phone, then that child is now feeling that we are, in, uh, we are inadequate, we have something deficient. The child's entire aspiration is now the better cell phone. The child's entire aspiration is now a better car. These are trivial things of the world which we should not aspire for. Yes, it is something which is a na'mat of Allah has given us to use. But the tarbiyat when it will be made, then these things will happen. So, from the time that the child is in the formative years, to embed the greatness of Allah Tabaraka wa Ta'ala, Hazrat Luqman is addressing his child, and he is making the tarbiyat of his child. 
Allah Taala discusses this entire discussion between father and son in the Quran Kareem and preserves it for the day of Qiyamah for us. Because this is meant to be a lesson to us as parents. Allah Taala says, "Is qala luqmanu libnihi wa huwa yaiduhu ya bunayyala tushik billah." That remember the time when Luqman said to his son, Ya Bunay, O my beloved son, La Tushrik Billah, don't ascribe partners to Allah wa Ta'ala. This is not just something that he is just teaching him one lesson of Aqidah, that you must have no partners with Allah wa Ta'ala. This is embedding that same Iman. No partners with Allah wa Ta'ala by bowing down with any, in front of any idol, not even what we discussed earlier, any other deity of sorts in our hearts, whether it's our desires, whether it's a society, whether it's anybody or anything. Only worship Allah wa ta'ala. Inna shirka la ghulmun azim. And thereafter, Allah wa ta'ala discusses the importance of the uh, respect of parents, the rights of parents, the status of parents. وَسَيْنَ insana بِوَالِدَيْهِ ihsana. Allah wa ta'ala says that we have emphasized upon this human being that he must be kind to his parents. This is an entire subject on its own, but to continue with the discussion of Luqman sallallahu alayhi he then says to his son, Ya bunayya innaha intaku mithqala habbatim min khardal, fatakun fi sakhratin aw fi samawati aw fi al-awdi yati biha Allah, inna Allah latifun khabir. That, oh my beloved son, that if there is some particle that is the size of a mustard seed, which was the smallest thing that could be described. The size of a mustard seed, if that particle is in the depths of the earth, or it is in the height of the skies, or within a rock, Ya'ti Allah, Allah Taala will bring that forth as well. Allah Taala is aware of that particle wherever it is. Is this some kind of lesson on geography that he is teaching his son? This was the same lesson of embedding the greatness of Allah Taala. That, that, that Allah who is aware of this minute particle in the depths of the ground, in the heights of the skies, in the depths of that rock, that Allah is aware of you as well. That Allah is aware of your actions as well. It might be in the darkness of the night, it might be in the brightness of the day, that Allah who knows that particle in the skies and the earth knows you and your actions. That Allah knows your thoughts. That Allah knows what's crossing your mind. That Allah knows everything that you are doing. That Allah knows the deception of the eye and He knows what is hidden in the heart. This is what Luqman is embedding in the heart of the child. Allah Ta'ala mentions this in the Quran Kareem that this is for us, this is for our children as well. How we should be bringing it into our lives and embedding it into the lives of our children. And then He says to him, Ya Bunayya, aqimis salah, wa'mur bil ma'roof, anil munkar, wasbir ala ma asabak. Oh my beloved son, establish salah. Establish salah, not just perform salah. Establishing salah has a very wide meaning. Establishing salah includes performing the salah in its correct time. Sometimes we find that, that salah is delayed, sometimes it's missed altogether, or it is delayed to the last moment of time. This is forget doing it ourselves, we should not even be allowing our children to do this. Performing it in its time. Performing it correctly, with complete concentration and devotion, khushu and khudu. Performing it with its etiquette and adab, performing it in the sunnah manner, performing that wudu before it correctly. All these things are included in establishing salah. Luqman is teaching this to his child. Aqim is salah. Establish salah in your life. 
How often do we ensure that our children establish salah in their lives? Nabi Salaam says that teach your children salah when they are seven years, and when they reach ten and they miss their salah, reprimand them, punish them upon this. This is something which the child is not yet compelled to perform salah. So the child won't be sinful. But when the child has reached ten and the parents don't fulfill their duty, they will be sinful. There's no sin on the child, because the child is still not mukallaf, that child salah hasn't become farz, but the command of salah has become compulsory upon the parents in the light of this hadith of Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. So, therefore, this is something which Luqman Sallallahu is teaching his child. This is the lesson for us as well. When that, the greatness of Allah Ta'ala will be established and together with that salah will be established in the life of the child before he even becomes of age. Then when the child becomes of age, he will look after himself. Then the parents won't need to look over his shoulder all the time what he's up to. The parents won't need to be following him past the next corner what is he up to or scrolling through his cell phone to see what he is receiving and what he is sending or trying to see what he is onto, in the, onto the internet and all these things because the greatness of Allah Ta'ala is, is in his heart the consciousness of Allah Ta'ala is there and Salah is in his life in its reality Inna salata tanha anil wal munkar Salah is something that prevents a person from all lewd things and all immoral things when Salah is there in its reality when Salah is truly Salah, then that Salah will prevent a person from all immoral things, all wrong things. So if this has been developed and embedded in the life of the child before he even comes of age, then when he comes of age, he will look after himself. Unfortunately, we start deciding to make tarbiyat of the child when he's already of age. Now already the habits have set in, already the tree has grown, now we wish to bend it in some other direction, it generally doesn't happen. We find this tarbiyat Tarbiyat in every aspect, tarbiyat in our children, in our little daughters, from that formative years, the tarbiyat, that haya has to be embedded in them from that time. Haya is a natural quality. Unfortunately, we find that, that haya, things that erode that haya have surrounded us, in our homes, outside our homes. Therefore, from the formative years, we have to create that kind of environment which protects the natural haya in our children. When Hazrat Musa wasalam, had left Egypt and come away from the tyranny of Fir'aun, fearing the tyranny of Fir'aun. And now he comes, Hazrat Shu'ib al-Salaam's daughters have come to also take, uh, uh, give water to their animals. Musa al-Salaam, nevertheless, he assists them, they go back home. And now Shu'ib al-Salaam finds out the entire story. It's a lengthy incident just coming to the crux of it. He tells his daughter to go and call Musa He was an old person, he couldn't go himself. So she comes now, she's coming on a necessity. She's emerging from the home as a result of necessity. How does she come? The Quran describes this. We are talking about tarbiyah from the childhood days and the aspect of haya in our children. Now she's a young girl and she's coming out of necessity. And the Quran is describing this. Has, the Quran has safeguarded this entire episode for humanity till the day of Qiyamah. Allah Tabarak wa Ta'ala describes this فَجَاءَتْهُ إِحْدَاهُمَا تَمْشِي عَلَى اسْتِحْيَاءَ There can be no uh, words that can truly describe what the Quran is mentioning here. Allah Tabarak wa Ta'ala says that one of the two daughters comes جَاءَتْهُ إِحْدَاهُمَا تَمْشِي عَلَى اسْتِحْيَاءَ No language can do justice to this, can translate this correctly, adequately, can truly convey the meaning of this in a few words. What is actually being described here is, to understand this, 
alastihya if we picture a person who is riding a conveyance the person is fully in control is completely on that conveyance that conveyance has totally so to say encompassed this person and this person is now coming in this manner this is the picture that is being given that this daughter of Shiva sallallahu alaihi came as if she was riding upon haya as if haya was her conveyance as if haya had encompassed her and in this manner she came to bring this message now these words of the quran kareem are not there for us to pass by and well it's just an incident of musa sallallahu alaihi but this message is being given that a woman had to emerge from her home out of sheer necessity because in principle she had to remain within her home وَقَرْنَ فِي بُيُوتِكُنْ Remain firmly within the home. This is the command of the Qur'an Kareem. Here out of sheer necessity she had to come out. So the Qur'an is now giving the description that if a woman had to emerge out of sheer necessity, then she will emerge like the daughter of Shiva فَجَاءَتُ إِحْدَاهُمَا تَمْشِي عَلَى اسْتِحْيَا Now this was the tarbiyat that was given to her by the Nabi of Allah wa ta'ala. And the Qur'an describes that despite being still such, of such young age, the tarbiyat was made, she came in this manner of haya. So when the tarbiyat will be made, then those children will be the diamonds of our eyes, will be the coolness of our eyes. And in this way we'll find that they not only will be a means of the coolness of our eyes while we are in this world, when we have left this world also, they will constantly raise their hands and say, Rabbi Rahamhuma, Kama Rabbayani Sahira, O my Rabb, have mercy upon me, upon them, Kama Rabbayani Sahira, as they made my tarbiyat when I was a little child. This tarbiyat is all-inclusive, nurturing. It includes fulfilling the necessities of life. But true tarbiyat is deen. The reality of tarbiyat is embedding the qualities of deen in their lives. So then they will make that dua, Rabbi rahamhuma kama rabbayani sagheera. Oh my Rabb, have mercy upon them in the manner that they were affectionate to me and made my tarbiyat when I was a little child. So this is the greatest thing in our lives. كُلُّكُمْ رَاعٍ وَكُلُّكُمْ مَسْؤُولٌ عَنْ رَعِيَّتِهِ Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam says, Every one of you is a shepherd and he will be questioned about his flock. We will not be questioned if we didn't give our children any luxuries. Yes, the necessities of life we have to provide for them. If a person has the means and does not fulfill the necessities of life by providing the necessities of life to his children, he will be questioned about that also. But luxuries he won't be questioned about. Yes, it's an act of virtue. If he can afford it, halal wealth, without undertaking debts, etc., then within uh, reasonable limits, he should provide comforts also if he can. But despite being an act of virtue, he won't be questioned about that. But he will be questioned about the tarbiyat of his children in terms of deen. Did he embed the qualities of deen in their lives from the time of their formative years? What kind of qualities he placed in them in their hearts in terms of their akhlaq and character? in terms of their dressing, in terms of their manner of going about things, in terms of embedding the greatness of Allah Ta'ala in their lives. So this is an ongoing process. It doesn't stop with one day, one year. This is something which is an ongoing thing. For this we have to become conscious of various things. The very first thing is that we create that environment within the home that is conducive towards the tarbiyat of our children. That brings in the life of the sahaba in their lives that brings in the greatness of Allah Ta'ala in their lives. This is the first thing that we have to do, uh, do is make the environment of the home conducive to this. We understand very well that 
supposing there is a utensil, we want to pour something clean in it, is a utensil, we want to pour pure milk in it, but there is dirt in that utensil, and we go ahead and pour the pure milk, we won't want to drink that milk also. The first thing is to clean that utensil out. In our home, if there are things that are against this kind of environment, whatever it may be, things that destroy the haya of our families, of our children, of ourselves, where can there be haya left when the entire family sits side by side, that daughter and father are sitting side by side, that mother and son are sitting side by side, that brother and sister are sitting side by side, and watching all that immoral filth on that screen, where can there be haya left thereafter? And what kind of unspeakable things happen thereafter is not for anybody's ears to hear. So first though, that dirt must be removed from the utensil of our home. Whatever it may be, those immoral pictures that come through the newspapers, etc., keep this far away from our homes. That's the first thing that we remove the dirt from the utensil of our home. Then, we have to now start pouring that milk also. The first thing for this is daily established talim in our homes. And when the mothers of the homes will take this as their duty more important than providing uh, food for their children, then we will find the difference coming. We are very concerned that our children have eaten their meal for the day. If some child someday, for some reason or the other, refuses to eat, that mother is totally parashan, she is restless, until such time that the child eats. She is as if she is starving, though she has eaten, but the child has not eaten, she is more restless. More than that, we have to be restless if our children have not been given the spiritual food. So daily establish talim, the fazail amal daily recite at least 10-15 minutes to our children. If the mothers take it upon themselves as their duty, more important than giving their children physical nourishment, we'll find that this will get established in that home. And we may not see the effect in one day, two days, one week, two weeks, but do it constantly and inshallah, within short time, not long time, Within short time, we'll find tremendous change coming in our own lives, in the lives of our children, in the lives of our entire family. We'll find a complete change in the environment, in the atmosphere of our home. So this is one very important and basic thing that we have to bring into our lives. And this, it is for the, the task of the mothers. They must take it that if our child hasn't eaten, the, how restless we become for that, we should become more restless if we haven't had the Stalin in the home. So that is the first thing that we should do. And start it off today. What starts off immediately will continue. What we put off, Allah forbid, sometimes gets put off, puts off forever. And it always gets put off for tomorrow and tomorrow never comes. So let us start it off today. Let us not put it off for tomorrow because it's a normal thing. As they say, cash today, credit tomorrow. You'll find this sometimes placed in some uh, shops so that the person tomorrow when he comes, tomorrow is also again today. And the next credit is for the next day. So it never comes to Qiyamah. So similarly here, we shouldn't put it off for tomorrow because tomorrow will be another day again. That's the first thing. The second thing, start making our children conscious of the day-to-day du'as. These are few simple things. There are many things, just few simple things which are within the reach of every person. Without any difficulty, without any hardship. We find that if our children start remembering Allah Taala consciously, then they will not be distracted by other things. And the Mufassirin explained that the daily du'as, Allah Ta'ala says, وَالذَّاكِرِينَ اللَّهَ كَثِيرًا وَالذَّاكِرَاتِ أَعَدَّ اللَّهُ لَهُمْ مَغْفِرَةً وَأَجْرًا عَظِيمًا Among various other qualities that come into the believers, this quality of those who excessively remember Allah Ta'ala. And Allah Ta'ala specifically mentions males and females. 
Allah Ta'ala has prepared for them his maghfirat and forgiveness and jannat. Great reward in the akhirat. For this we should start making our children accustomed to the daily du'as. And we will have to remind them a hundred times. You cannot expect them to automatically remember it. After a hundred, maybe after two hundred times, eventually it will become a part and parcel of their lives without even thinking they will be doing it thereafter. Daily when they wake up, remind them. Have you recited the du'a for waking up? Recited your kalima? And slowly as they go along, to make them conscious of reciting it with meaning. But initially the words will come, in time the meaning also. The child is about to enter the toilet. Have you recited the du'a before entering the toilet? Have you recited the du'a after coming out from the toilet? Now the child, after coming out from the toilet, later in life we have taught him the meaning also, Ghufranak. Oh Allah, I seek your forgiveness. Forgiveness for what? That in this little time I was not able to remember you. This is a place where you cannot, your zikr cannot be made. So yes, imagine this is also something to seek forgiveness from. Then, Alhamdulillah, الذي أذهب عني الأذاب عافاني Shukar to Allah Ta'ala. That Allah Ta'ala removed these harmful substances from my body. If this was not removed, what taklif and what pain, excruciating pain I would have gone through. This shukr that is being embedded in the life of the child. So slowly this first the zikr of the words will come, slowly with the meaning. But we will have to constantly remind them. The child is about to leave the house to go to school, to go to madrasa. Before leaving the chai, uh, house, remind the child, recite the dua, Bismillah, tawakkaltu ala Allah, la hawla wa la quwwata illa billahi al azim and as the child has come of a more understanding age, we're teaching the child the meaning of the dua. Tawakkaltu ala Allah, my trust is upon Allah Ta'ala. I'm leaving the home, I'm going out into a totally insecure environment, there are various dangers out there, my trust is in Allah Ta'ala. Now from that time, the child is a little uh, of a young age, but the trust in Allah Ta'ala is building up. That my trust will be in Allah Ta'ala. Otherwise the child's trust is in the police, the trust in his parents, in his teachers, but Allah Ta'ala doesn't feature anywhere. So, from that young age, the child has been taught. The child has eaten his food. Alhamdulillah, illadhi saqani azban, drunk water. Alhamdulillah, illadhi saqani azban furatan birahmati. That all praises to, due to Allah tabarak wa ta'ala, who has given me sweet water to drink. Then explain to the child about places where people have to rely on water from boreholes, but that water comes out bitter. They have no sweet water to drink. Allah ta'ala has given us that sweet water to drink. If that water was bitter, what would have done? Supposing if there was no rain, we had to drink the water of the ocean, of the sea. We can't drink one drop of it. So that sugar also comes and this ni'mat also comes that water is not to be wasted, it's to be used correctly. Out of these little du'as, outwardly little, but they are great lessons. This is not du'as, these are ta'aleem from Rasulullah For the tarbiyat of our children, these two things we do, we embed the greatness of Allah Ta'ala in their hearts. We establish this ta'aleem, embedding the greatness of Allah Ta'ala, Constantly from time and again talking about the greatness of Allah Ta'ala. Allah Ta'ala is the doer, Allah Ta'ala is the creator. Talk about the greatness of Allah Ta'ala in the, by, by reflecting upon His creation. Sometimes by reflecting upon our limbs and organs, our heart is beating. Ask the child sometimes to hold his breath for one, one minute. He can't hold it for half a minute. Then tell the child his breath. You couldn't keep your breath for half a minute. Imagine if there was no air to breathe. What would have happened? Allah Ta'ala is giving us uh, air to breathe for free all the time. Embed the greatness of Allah Ta'ala in the heart of the child so that the child starts recognizing Allah Ta'ala. And when the child will recognize Allah Ta'ala, then the child will obey Allah Ta'ala. This is the tarbiyat, the way it goes. When Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam was given the command, Ya ayyuhal muddathir, 
قُمْ فَأَنذِرْ وَرَبَّكَ فَكَبِّرْ That, oh, that person who has wrapped himself in a blanket, قُمْ فَأَنذِرْ Stand up. Stand up. Give up all your rest now. Give up all your comforts. And stand up and warn people against the punishment of Allah Ta'ala if they don't obey Allah Ta'ala. And how will this happen? How will they come out to the obedience of Allah Ta'ala? وَرَبَّكَ فَكَبِّرْ That enumerate the greatness of your Rabb. When the greatness of your Rabb will come into the hearts, then they will come unto the obedience of Allah So this has to come into our children. So for this, we talk about the greatness of Allah Ta'ala. Establish this ta'aleem more than we are concerned about cooking food for them. That too is something we have to do. But more important than that, we regard the spiritual nourishment for themselves. And this is something which has not been experienced. The benefits and the nur and the barakat of this fazail amal is not something that has been experienced by half a dozen people or one dozen people without exaggeration by hundreds of thousands of people. But we would be the ones who are depriving ourselves if we fail to take the benefits for ourselves. And as I said, it may not become obvious in a day or two or a few weeks, but within a short time, inshallah, we will see the benefits ourselves. And together with that, we start embedding into the lives of our children the consciousness of reciting these simple du'as. Maybe we don't know some of those du'as ourselves, we can start learning it also. We can get the authentic kitabs which have these du'as mentioned therein. Look into it and recite it daily on the occasion. And without even making any effort to buy heart it, within a week or two weeks, by constantly reciting it, on its occasion we will know it by heart. It doesn't require any effort. Don't try to make the child memorize it. Just make him read it. Make him repeat it. And in time he will know it by heart. And in this way, as they grow older, start teaching them what this du'a means. We are thanking Allah Ta'ala for this. We are making shukr for this ni'mat. We are becoming conscious of this ni'mat. And in this way we will find we will be embedding the greatness of Allah Ta'ala in their lives. Then as they grow up, they will be the coolness of our eyes in this world. They will be a means of great coolness for us in our qabr as well. On the day of qiyamah also. So for this we have to become very conscious. This tarbiyat and ta'aleem, this is something which is our fundamental duty. And this is something we will be questioned for on the day of qiyamah. And for this we have to use all the means around us within the home. And those facilities that are available to give our children further training in tarbiyat, we should make uh, use of those, value those facilities as well, and take advantage of it. The education of the schools and so on, this will perhaps help us very, very, to a very limited extent in terms of this dunya. But the true thing that will help us is the ta'aleem of deen. Alhamdulillah, in this regard, there will be a madrasa commencing in this uh, premises as well from next year for girls uh, those who are above 12 years and uh, older this too is something that we should be very grateful for where dini ta'aleem is imparted to them so that their correct tarbiyat is made they are more conscious of Allah wa ta'ala, and they are uh, trained to become those kind of uh, young mothers later in their lives who themselves will become the means of embedding the correct qualities in their children who will be far away from the materialism that is sweeping across us, where our hearts and minds are more focused towards the dunya than the akhirat. Rather, they will be those who are filled with ruhaniyat, the consciousness of Allah wa ta'ala, who have akhirat as their priority and the world as the means. And in this way, we find that our dunya will also become a means of, benef- uh, a means of peace and prosperity. Our akhirat will become a means of great peace and happiness for us and for our families. May Allah wa ta'ala give us the true understanding of deen, give us the reality that the akhirat is our priority. 
The dunya is merely a means and a phase for us to pass through and to earn the love of Allah Tabaraka wa Ta'ala, earn the mercy of Allah Tabaraka wa Ta'ala, and to be truly guided. May Allah Tabaraka wa Ta'ala shower down his diet upon us and give us strong iman, firm iman, keep us with iman, take us with iman, and raise us on the day of Qiyamah with iman. Fa akhir da'wana, alhamdulillahi rabbil alameen.